This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Be the best and you got to pay a little price. If you want it bad enough, you got to do a little extra things to get it. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich? Ha. What? D- <laughs> uh. If oh, you're no. wondering, if you're wondering, <laughs> it's because I'm missing half of the structure of the sentence. Oh. I, I was afraid you're you're going on injured reserve too. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna check in on you. I, I saw uh was it last week or maybe the start of last week when you tweeted a picture of a tree that fell on somebody's car at the Rams facility. I'm like, wow, what a perfect metaphor is. I was like, I was gonna treat tweet back and say which offensive lineman's car was that that the that the tree fell on because uh it's just been that kind of year, hasn't it, George? I, I've never, I mean, you've, you've been around, you've been in a lot, you know, college environments and pro environments. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. And and I don't mean that to sound hyperbolic. I Do you, can you remember covering a team that, that's had this, this kind of run? No, I, I don't. I think actually they have been tracking it internally because Sean McVay mentioned something about, the offensive line and how many iterations it's gone through and historically has never happened before in a single season. So that's obviously something I'm going to want to follow up on, but um, yeah, to your point, Rich, and my intro pun was very bad. I'm missing most of the core of my sentence is what I should (laughs) say, much like the Rams roster. Um, I, the week last week, it started with a literal tree, an adult tree, (laughs) uprooting because the wind was so intense in Thousand Oaks and falling on someone's car, a staff, a personnel guy who works for the Rams. Um, And it ended with Sean McVay getting popped in the face by one of his own players, totally on accident. Have you seen that? Have you seen, I know you were there obviously. And it's like, you don't, but have have you, I mean, I've seen him twice since then. And there's some swelling happening. I'll just say. Is he okay? (laughs) like, Oh Sean McVay has been evaluated for a concussion and cleared. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like one of those old, like when, like when like Mike Tyson used to hit somebody in the jaw and like, you see their entire head just kind of wobble from side to side. And I'm like, Oh no, that's not good at all. Like he was really shook. Um, so I, all joking aside, I'm glad he's okay because my goodness, like, that literally could have been like a broken jaw or something. The way that he really got jarred there by Roger Carter's shoulder, I think it was when he was poor guys trying to run on the field. And uh, yeah, you don't want to take your head coach out. That's not a great way to to earn playing time. But oh well, Jordan. Let's see. Um, the Rams lose again, fall to three and eight. Um, and guess what? There's even more bad news today. Uh, this being Monday afternoon. I know, Jordan, you just got off the call with Sean McVay. So uh, why don't you run us through this week's bad news? Yeah. So uh, how about we'll dip a toe in and then we'll go all the way in. 
So first and foremost, um, Alan Robinson, you've probably already seen this on theathletic.com or on social media if you um, have been tracking this team. But for those who haven't been keeping close watch, which would be totally understandable considering the season and the way that it's gone, um, Alan Robinson, uh, they uncovered, unearthed a a stress fracture in his uh, navicular bone on his foot. And that was late Friday after he it just he felt some pain after that. He's he was limited in practice with the high ankle sprain, felt some pain after Friday's practice, went in for scans and then it revealed the damage. So he traveled with the team and it was sort of when I referred to it as developing situation, they were trying to see whether he was going to go or not. They put an injection in there um, just to see if if he could work through it again. He had gotten some really valuable reps with Bryce Perkins. I have to think that that we're going to get to this, but I have to think that that affected the early phases of the game plan (laughs) was a very last minute shock of not having Allen Robinson. Um, Bryce Perkins called it a shock. And so that was something where if he could have gone, he would have, he is out for the season and then more news keeps coming. It's every single day with this team. And it's now it's Aaron Donald with a high ankle sprain. He's day to day. And Sean McVay did not rule out shutting him down for the season. Smaller day-to-day things. Um, Lance McCutcheon has an AC sprain. That's a shoulder. Um, he's day-to-day. Terrell Lewis had a little bit of a disc issue in his back. And so he sounds like he's going to be day-to-day, if not week-to-week as well. Um, but the big one is, is Aaron Donald. Now the Rams are going to be without yet another core uh, core starter because this is not something where I would have any expectation that the Rams or Sean McVay would, would rush him back. And one of the key things here too, Rich, is – through many, many questions, both publicly and privately, um, that I've asked people in this organization, there's not really, they're not ruling out shutting shutting down any of these guys. They're not saying they are, and they're not definitive on saying that they will do this, but they're not sort of ruling out the possibility that, it, it you know, you have to look at the long-term future of these players and and the organization and sort of what the contention window is and what you want to, how you want to gather yourself and and be back in, in 2023 and bringing back Cooper cup, bringing back Matthew Stafford, who's still in the concussion protocol and dealing with the next situation. Um, and, and Aaron Donald now, and certainly Alan Robinson, who's already been ruled out for the season. Those are not things that in the short term you want to rush through in order to sort of preserve the longer term. Yeah, I, I can understand how it's a it's a delicate thing. Um, you you want to make sure you're sending the right message throughout the locker room. And it, it's it's just a reality of a situation, though. It's not that some people are more valuable than others, but it's I think it's about managing your assets the right way and just looking at it saying, OK, what what are we getting out of this? If we you know, see Aaron, say Aaron Donald misses a couple of weeks and you try to bring him back for the last five games or four games like what are you really gaining from that versus what are you risking if you bring him back and and he's somehow hurting him somebody rolls up on the back of his knee in in the absolute meaningless week 18 game what have you gained in that situation nothing and you've lost something very very significant um at the same time you i i can see a way i i don't know i don't want to speak for anybody in the locker room but there's a lot of guys in there fighting for their jobs and, and fighting for their careers and, you know, maybe even down to, to coaches who, uh, you know, are, are fighting for their jobs or, or at least wanting to make themselves look better. So you don't want to 
you don't want to throw away these games. You don't want to send the message that these games don't matter or that you're not trying to put forth an effort. But uh, it's got to be a very delicate balance for the Rams, for any team in this situation. But I don't think there's any question, Jordan. I mean, you can start with Matthew Stafford, and, and I think you put Cooper Cup right in that category, too. I don't think those guys should be on the field uh, for the rest of the season. And I know you wrote a great column um, uh, about specifically about, you know, Matthew Stafford in this. And it's just, it just doesn't make sense. Um, and and I understand the value. I said it last week and I stand by it. Uh, I, I understand fans who paid a lot of money and, and uh, want to see quality uh, team as, as good of a team as can be out there. I totally get it. I I've been there. I understand the situation, but you just have to look at it and say, you know what? It's a long-term view. Like you said, Jordan, there's a window of contention here and you have to preserve as much of that as you can. And it just is not smart, I don't think. It, but my goodness, Jordan, you know, I mean, you know, I've been around for a couple of years now. For Aaron Donald to miss something, he's never, I, I just saw before we jumped on, uh, Craig Beecham from the AP uh, tweeted it. I was thinking the same thing. Aaron Donald has never missed a game uh, due to injury. He uh, played through a uh, torn and broken <laughs> rib cartilage oh. where he had to wrap himself in basically uh, like, uh, you know, flexible armor. Right. And with like the th- the way I would describe them was like two injections and then an icy hot bandage essentially around the entire torso and then some sort of like flexible Batman suit type of deal <laughs> happening Have and then padding on the on the outside. And then he still played through unspeakable uh, right. pain uh, after suffering that ribs cartilage injury a couple years ago. I mean, it's it's. It's been yeah. remarkable. But again, like you said, Rich, I mean, this season has been remarkable. I've never seen anything like this in my life. A lot of most of these guys have never experienced anything. They couldn't have. I mean, it's historic, the the things that yeah. have happened um, yeah. to this group. And and there's a lot, a lot of studies to be conducted and a lot of testing to go through, I think, through this offseason. You know, this is an outlier season. So while I see some of the question marks on Twitter about, well, look into the training and medical staff and and those types of things. For me, I kind of look at the the last you know five years, including through this COVID year, um, and and in 2020, that the big you know initial COVID year, and you look at how remarkably healthy the Rams have been, and remarkably healthy, yeah. uh, how remarkably healthy they were. I think the the underlying uh, common denominator that is the the thread through all of this is the length of the season the Rams played last year. Yeah. And sort of that unknown territory of how do you balance that off season? Because clearly anyone, by the way, anyone who's now arguing that they should play in the preseason is just full of shit. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, they, yeah. if you would have added any more workload onto these guys, I mean, it's already catastrophic. Think how much more catastrophic it could have been, especially playing on turf for two out of the three games and maybe three out of three, depending on the schedule and all of these kinds of things that we know scientifically. And and really, I think the the common denominator here and, and you know, I, I can't quantify this without doing a deep dive with the, the medical staff and what they found. And honestly, those are probably findings they will never publicize as, as much as I want to try. But really, if you're looking at it logically, the length of that last season, then carrying into the off season and what rest truly looked like versus what the workload truly looked like versus how you balanced those things. Um, and then how you onboarded back into the season, that was uncharted unknown territory for this group. And like I said, 
I joke all the time that they've got nodules uh, and and data points, you know, testing devices on every stem cell in every body. <laughs> but and I'm I'm kind of like not joking about that. They're right. conducting th- test testing through this entire season. I even saw a pair of socks one time, a guy wearing a pair of socks that had about, you know, a hundred thousand little point little pinpoints right. on them, and each one was picking up a different piece of data um, as this player was walking around. I mean, it's shit like this that's yeah. they're looking at right now. And yeah. to me, w- what I think is this is an outlier season. So I don't necessarily look at they should make wholesale changes to their track. I, I just no. don't think so. They spent four out of the last five years as the le- among, you know, one of the three least injured teams in the entire NFL. And that included that 2020 season in which Justin Lovett, the strength and conditioning coach in his first season with the Rams was literally sending players, um, you know, cobbled together gym equipment that they had to special order, <laughs> you know, because gym equipment, remember, wasn't even available at that time. It was all people, sure. the supply chain had run out yeah. and sending people things to do and and each person an individual his workout plan at their own home to do because there were no gyms that were open you couldn't get OTAs anything like that and still they emerged from that season as one of the healthiest teams in the NFL so yeah. this this particular season I'm looking at as like a little bit of an outlier into a lot of an outlier really if you're looking at it but I think a, a denominator in this is the length of the season and um you know I've I've texted with people before including in the building where it's like in hindsight, and this is across the league because there's a lot of injuries and you look at the last CBA where they negotiated the extra game in the season and you're sitting there and you're like, the owners did this to themselves. I mean, it sucks because the players are the ones who suffer for it. The owners did this to themselves. If they're losing out in this regard, they're the ones that wanted that extra game and they argued for it without also making allowances for roster expansion, which they should have, which certainly would have helped or cap expansion, which certainly would have helped in terms of that depth in the rotation and like scrambling to find a 15th offensive lineman and, and those types of things. So they really shot themselves in the foot in this regard. And in my opinion, unfortunately it's the players who suffer from it. It's a much bigger conversation to have in the off season, rich, and certainly into, into owners meetings and league meetings through the spring. But it's, it's one of those things where, um, if they are going to want to keep expanding and, and lengthening a season and therefore the workload on the body, um, it's not just you come in with a completely fresh blank health slate It from like, say, week 13 to week 14. No, you come into week 14 with a your health slate from week 13 plus the entire buildup and collection of weeks one through 13 on your body at that point. Right. So yeah. it, you're kind of like, and players will, t- will talk to me about this all the time, about really, truly how difficult it is to make it through a, a regular NFL season intact. And now you're extending it, and then the Rams played an historically long one, not just that, but by several games longer than any season they they had played other than that Super Bowl season, um, you know, when they lost, and still was longer because of the extra game added to the end. So, um, you know... I, it's it's hard to know what the answers are heading into the the future, but I would say um, this this has just been crazy, man. Like this has yeah. been insane. And I guys, I feel it. Like I see your tweets, and it's like some of the memes are very good. By the way, you guys are really good at the internet. But I see some the tweets where it's like I cannot look at your tweets anymore, Jordan. And I'm like, <laughs> I totally understand. 
like the grim reaper like yeah, every time you tweet I'm it's like, i'm like covering my eyes hurts. as i press send because it's it's painful to even yeah no but it's such good points jordan and then even i mean you talk about some of the things that have been you know legislated in by owners and, and i don't I don't think this necessarily applies to the Rams, but even down to things like, you know, playing on Thursday when when you when you play on Sunday and then turn around or even a Monday turnaround or you're you're playing in Europe and and you come back and you, like there's a lot of things in here that, like you said, you know, the, the, the owners have to realize that some of this is is being built in uh, the, the the injury problems. And, uh, you know, I, I was it's funny you mentioned because I was thinking the other day about kind of the development and all of that. And it's just people, you know, talk about the Rams. Oh, my gosh, why is this offensive line struggling so much? Well, when you get down past your some in some cases past your first string, but certainly past your second string, there's not a pool there. You can't call up people from triple A. You can't call up people <laughs> from the G League or from the AHL like there's nothing there. And I mean, I, I know there's been talk about, you know, development leagues and stuff like that, but you're, you're not dealing. These teams are not equipped whether it's like you said, Jordan, with the roster size or cap issues or a lack of a, a development league, they're they're not equipped to handle uh, this number of of injuries just from a pure personnel standpoint. And that's something I think you have to look at and say, well, what can they do there? How can they ease this a little bit? Because it just becomes a, a you know a fire drill. Like when when you have a, this number of injuries, like you're just there's no good answer anymore. So I, I agree with you, Jordan. I mean, the staff has been there. This is the same, you know, leadership in, in that training room. That's been there. The same one that got heaped praise on it. And rightfully so for all those years when the Rams were among the league leaders in fewest games, when they went through a full season with a offensive line intact, same, same people, largely same concept, same, you know, same strategies. So I don't think you can look at it. I'm sure they will look at certain things like you said, Jordan, them measuring, you know, every step that these players take. I'm sure they will be looking at all of that data. But I think you also have to look at the types of injuries. You, you, if you if you have a run of soft tissue injuries, then you can maybe look at it and say, OK, what's going on here? Like, are, is it something that we're doing? Is it the training? But when you have, you know, a Cooper Cup injury where he goes up to make a catch and somebody catches him in the wrong place like that, that is nothing to do with training that has nothing to do with you know uh, how much he's on the practice it's field physics. it's it's physics and bad luck is, and a is terrible really throw. Almost, and a really bad yeah well, well we'll get to some of that a little bit later uh but uh but yeah so I, I think you can look at certain types of injuries and say okay is there a uh, can we put some pieces together here can we connect some dots and maybe we can maybe we can't but i just think like you said jordan a lot of this is just pure bad luck regression to the mean whatever whatever you want to call it and uh it's it's something that is just i've never seen before so the rams designed an ecosystem where they could operate among the highest of interdependent stakes i don't understand at times why people forgot i see all the think pieces right it's it's all the outlets have all the think pieces of like the you know, uh, mortgage their future, F them picks, which never yes. really meant F them picks in the first place, guys. We said it with a wink the entire time. Yes. But like, I, I see all of the think pieces and the whatever and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, first of all, read The Athletic. And second of all, it's like <laughs> health was the thing that could, was gluing this all together. Not just, not just health, understanding that through that span, a 
a, a string of injuries would have been an outlier. So gambling into the into the mean, which was health right. and understanding that, yes, that was a risk, but one that they they had that advantage. They had that leverage at the time. So push as hard as you can while you have that specific leverage, while right. you're not operating in an injury catastrophe. And right. that was that's a huge part of what held it all together. All of these phases are interdependent. You're seeing that. Everything, coaching, attrition, health, um, you know, uh, non-core, you know, quote unquote, middle to late round picks, uh, stepping up at a certain level to complement core stars. It's none of those things are happening at the level they need to be happening at. A lot of it starts and ends with the health at certain position groups and what that means, the ripple effect of what that means, you know, these position groups can do and how they affect the overall operation. But it it is health that is the denominator that literally is like the combined and it's just like the connective tissue between every single phase of this interdependent yeah. high yeah. stakes ecosystem. This was always going to happen if they had an unhealthy year. Right. And, you know, there's all kinds of other things that are going on, including um, sort of being priced out of the very markets that they helped to create and um, having to understand which moves they made that they need to, you know, uh, change their minds on quickly or pivot from quickly and, and how they want to try to operate in certain advantages and, and um, capitalize on certain um, league-wide inefficiencies moving forward, where those are at. We, there's all kinds of those things to talk about. But overall, every, you know, if if you have been paying attention, if you've been following along, Health has always been, if if you don't have that, you do not have any balance in this ecosystem whatsoever. Right. Because they weren't trying to build the best second string team in the NFL. That's not that was. No, you're, they were the, trying to win a Super Bowl. Trying to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. You know what? And, I have yeah. a I have an interesting anecdote on that, too, because there's all kinds of arguments all the time too. like, you know, uh, you know, wouldn't you rather the Rams have been okay, like just okay medium this year? Well, it probably would have meant that they didn't push so hard on one side. Right. So basically, you know, you're seeing an equal and opposite reaction to how hard they pushed last year, whether it's it's just universal balance, whether it's parity that's factoring in, whether it's, uh, you know, just a a streak of, of horrible, horrible luck right after a streak of incredibly good luck um, in terms of the way that some of the things fell. Um, You know, I'm not getting into like karmic balance or anything like that. (laughs) I promise you this is a little bit more scientific than that. But what I am saying is that um, this, this was, this team does not operate in the middle. It had, it chose a long time ago that it will not do that. It will not operate in the middle anymore. It chose that when it went into this team building model, it, it, made the agreement with itself and with you know its its uh, environment around itself that they're either going to go for it with everything they have or it's going to be a complete disaster there's not a middle ground <laughs> the the thing is is can you make the disaster last not very long can you make sure that you swing back quickly that you right. can punch back quickly that you're agile and uh, as as Les says anti-fragile enough to um, quickly sprint in a different direction or even in the same direction, but with new pieces around you in midair. And that's kind of the bargain that they've made. That's the way that they've decided as long as this core leadership is in place um, in terms of Les Snead, Sean McVay, Kevin Demoff, Tony Pasteur's, 
and Reggie Scott, as long as those guys are in place, this will be the ethos of this organization. So um, I was having this, a really interesting conversation uh, this past week with a, a, you know, a coach who's not affiliated with the Rams was kind of wondering like what the hell was going on in this, you know, with like how many, you know, you have how many, like they have how many injuries, Holy cow. And just, you know, catching up on league stuff. And this whole topic came up where it was like, there is a faction of the league and there are teams out there that argue that being in the middle is okay. Uh, That certain teams making the playoffs um, is okay because within, within that their environment and their space, that's everything is to just make the playoffs and all this stuff. Well, the, the other argument is if you're not pushing to win a Super Bowl as frequently as you can, if not, it's impossible to do it every year, as we know. But right. if you're not pushing to win a Super Bowl, if you're not pushing to be in specifically Super Bowl contention, not just postseason contention, but specifically Super Bowl contention, if you're not building year over year to specifically win and contend for Super Bowls, what are you doing? Exactly. And by the end of this conversation, it was like the 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 coach was like, yeah, it 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 was totally worth it. Exactly. I, I couldn't agree with. And I understand that there are people who might make the other side of the argument. And I don't think I don't think they're absolutely wrong. I, I think you can sit here and say, oh, you know what? I, I'm a fan of this team. I would much rather be 11 and six every year and, and know that we're going to be competitive and maybe we'll catch fire and we'll win a Super Bowl. And, and that's just going to be who we are. OK, if that's if that's what you want out of your fandom or your your, your experience. OK, I I. I not going to argue with you. I don't, that's not what I would want. And, and if I was an owner of a team or a general manager of a team or a CEO of a team or coach of a team uh, or a player on a team for that matter, that's not what I would want either. I I would want, you are there to win championships. Two quick examples, Jordan, if I could, that I think illustrate the point. I I try not to go to this well too often, but you know, I covered the LA Kings, the NHL for a while. The LA Kings were essentially in that model of what we were talking about for a long time. Their roster was constructed to be just good enough to get into the playoffs every year. They were consistently fighting for that seventh or eighth seed in the Western Conference. They were never, they weren't terrible, but they also were never great. And every year it was kind of like, gosh, maybe we can sneak in and maybe we can get there. Maybe lightning will will strike. Never happened. New uh, management came in, said, you know what? We're tearing that down. We are, we're going to build this up. Did it in a couple of years. They won the Stanley Cup two times in three years. After that was a big crash because everything that they had built kind of collapsed in on them, uh, not because of injuries, but because of some bad decisions that they made. They've been bad for a little while. You look back on that and you say, was it worth it? If you're a fan of the team over the last 15 years, what would you have rather had? Would you have rather had 15 average to above average seasons that had no championship at the end of them? Or would you rather have had two Stanley Cups? I haven't run into anybody yet who has said I trade in those Stanley Cups to have been mediocre for the last uh, few years. I just don't believe that's true. The other example, I think, is the Lakers. When you look at the Lakers and how they have been constructed over the years, I mean, going back to the 80s, when they kind of, you know, everything aligned perfectly, they they acquire Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, they get Magic Johnson in the draft, showtime begins, they have that run, and then what happens? Magic has to retire, Kareem retires, people get old and move on. 
there were they had that low period where it was like, oh boy. And then what happened? They came back up. They uh, signed Shaquille O'Neal. They trade for Kobe Bryant in the draft. Another run, you know, to back shoot for the moon again, right? Win more championships. Then what happens? That falls off. Then what happens? Hey, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, you know, back up, win another championship. It's this kind of the Lakers, not a team that's going to be playing that middle to where, mm-hmm. you know, oh, we're, we're just going to be average. That's not their ethos. And and I think the Rams have followed that to, to some extent to say, Hey, we're going for it, and and there might be, there might be some trouble on the other side of that, but it's going to be worth it. And I just don't know, you Rams fans. We look back. I, I don't know how many people are going to want to trade in that Lombardi Trophy uh, for for a few seasons that are a little bit better. I just don't see it. I kind of look at it like this, and we'll we'll get onto the game after this. Rich and great points, great examples. Um, and also very timely in terms of what the this particular city in this market expects of a team and what it expects right. its ethos to be. I kind of look at it like this. I look at it in, a, in terms of a series of leverages and how many leverages can you control and use to your advantage versus what is out of your control and what is a universal um, effect that you that you will you may or may not suffer through. It may or may not be good. Um, and, and what I think about is you can control how aggressive you will be. You can control how many variables you try to manipulate and how hard you push. What you can't control is letting all of those decisions that you may have uh, gathered into yourself sort of float in the ether. And and you can't control being okay and having things happen to you because there's 31 other teams and you yeah. can either be at the whim of how they rise and fall, or you can control as much and push as much as possible on every single variable that gives you every single advantage that you could possibly think of. And that means that you're going to build a really fragile ecosystem, right. again, an interdependent one within the context of a hard salary cap and parity-driven league that actively works. And you saw this in the schedule this year, that actively works to drag teams back down to eight and eight right. or worse. Right. And um, I, so for me, it's like, I, I think knowing the personalities, I mean, yeah, yeah, ask Sean, ask Sean McVay. Would he rather have more control or less control <laughs> like, <laughs> oh of his gosh. environment? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, and just knowing these guys, it's just never yeah. going to be that. And that's why I think, and we've keep we've kept saying this, but guys, I think you all are in for a ride this offseason, frankly. Like, I think you all yeah. are in for a ride and into 2023. <laughs> it's, I can't put my finger quite on it just yet, uh, but I got to tell you, so, some stuff is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, some things will happen and so i just gotta say and by the way we're running a dollar a month no i'm just kidding yeah, no, yeah well, <laughs> so you, exactly. you want to follow along with everything yeah right? oh, um, Rich, I, I, I need agree. to before we before we get down this this rabbit hole because i know we could talk about this for hours and hours we already do we're like constantly yeah. going back and forth on this well we're gonna have weeks to, to, i to i want i know we're gonna have lots of lots of oh, uh, yeah, nothing but time yeah yeah Let's just say I will not be opening a bottle of wine on my birthday this year and just letting it sit on the counter while they, you know, Um, what a throwback. Um, So I I didn't, it's never good to lose a game. Your team, you never want to lose. This team is tired of losing. They're doing a lot of losing five straight games, the worst uh, losing streak in the Sean McVay era. Um, But I thought there was a lot to build on from this Mm -hmm. loss in Kansas city. 
And in particular, I'm not going to get too in the weeds um, because I'd really like to hear your thoughts on what you saw, especially on the offensive side. But I got to say this defense, it kind of made a statement on Sunday in terms of what it maybe as a group, what it, what they understood the perception now was of them after the last two weeks where it just kind of felt like just off the, the vibe, right. the energy felt off the explosives on key drives that totally run counter to the ethos of this group. Um, you know, letting these kind of backup and journeyman quarterbacks just sort of manhandle them, all this stuff. And right. then you go and you see Patrick Mahomes at Arrowhead, a 72% touchdown rate in the red zone and you hold them one for six with an interception. I just think including it one and holding to a field goal in sudden change. Like I just thought that was absolutely outstanding. This is one of those games where you're like, okay, if the Rams offense wasn't completely decimated and a shell of its former self, this would have been, you could see why this would have been the game of the year. Um, because of what right. the defense was able to do. No, it was not perfect. That Travis Kelsey touchdown right. uh, was a master class in manipulating the defender, in this case, Jalen Ramsey. And that was the a big, you know, kind of a killer explosive for them. Um, but it was the only major, major explosive. You knew that the, the Chiefs were going to stay on par with their average and eat up a bunch of yards. That's what they do. They eat up right. yards. In this game, you basically pick the lesser of two poisons, and that's limiting points in a game like this against Patrick Mahomes. You um, you, you hassle him. You make the coverages really muddy. You get sticky in the coverages so that he has to hold the ball just a little bit longer. You do so knowing and understanding that he will then use his mobility and his arm angles and his leverage points to cre- try to create plays um, after the initial play breaks down. In, the, in that case, you use guys like Bobby Wagner. You use uh, t- Taylor Rapp in a couple of cases. You use Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald. Michael Hoyt was just hauling ass all over the field um, on yeah. <laughs> on Sunday. And you you use you depend on guys like that uh, to then contain hassle, make it make life harder. Understanding that. Um, he could get you if if the front and the coverage out of structure doesn't do what it needs to do. I just thought you, I I I think anyone even in a close game if the Rams would have also put up an offense, you would have expected a lot of yards to be eaten up by the Chiefs regardless. What you didn't expect is one for six in the red zone. I thought that right. was just outstanding. Um, this defense is weary. I I don't want to say yeah. gassed or fatigued. I want to use yeah. the word weary. And I would be too. The the you know weeks ten through twelve were not good showings by this group. Um, overall, though, this defense seems very weary to me. And there's yeah. been a disconnect all season between the offensive side and the defensive side. And some of it is out of this team's control in terms of the offensive line and, and some of those things um, that have just spiraled out of anyone's um, anyone's control, but there has been a disconnect. And in a game like this, you sort of felt this defense gather into itself and say, you know, we're just going to start swinging. We don't even know where some of these punches are going to land, but we are going to just try to swing our way out of this. And you definitely felt that sense of, um, you know, we're not going down with the ship kind of a thing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. 
Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. You know, what were the three things that we talked about last week with this defense? We talked about explosive plays. We talked about the fact that they hadn't had a turnover in weeks, a couple months almost. Um, and we talked about red zone. Those are the three things that we said are big problems. In all, there's one explosive play that you mentioned. Bad play. No, not going to sugarcoat that one at all. Uh, shouldn't happen. Look at the other drives. I mean, I'm I'm glancing at my notes here. Like eight plays, twelve plays, thirteen plays, fourteen plays. Like I'm, they were these were not quick strike. You know, Patrick Mahomes is just slinging the ball all over the field and and getting off the field in two minutes. They were having to fight. Yeah. For, the, for the yards and the points that they got. They I mean, weren't they just were, getting what they wanted. No, yeah. no, they were not uh, just just picking. They were not you know going down the field at ease. I mean, the, the even their scoring drives that they were they were working, having to pick up third downs and things like that. Uh, get a big turnover in the end zone when the game was still somewhat in 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 question. There was a ten point game at that point. I mean, it wasn't out of out of uh, consideration that something miraculous could happen. Got themselves a turnover in in the end zone. The red zone defense, it, very very good red zone defense all along. If you had seen, and you know, if anybody wants to get frustrated, I think you'd say if you had seen these types of plays over the last you know few weeks then I, I think it would have been a different conversation uh, with this defense but uh, a great bounce back effort in a game where you easily could have expected them to just say you know what uh, we we've had enough uh, we're just it's it's going to be a 40 point game and and that's just the way it is and and actually they came out I think all things considered uh, holistically in the in the whole game maybe their best effort of mm-hmm. the season considering uh, when, the circumstance. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah. 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 Not, no, I'm not talking about looking at points or yards or things like that, but uh, considering the circumstance, I, I don't know how much more you could have asked uh, out, of, out of that defense. So, I mean, one play, yes, Kelsey catch touchdown, not good. Uh, certainly, certainly not. But uh, other than that, I mean, it was, I don't know what more you could have asked. It was that the two plays really, I think, killed them that that with uh with Jalen in the slot star you knew that Kelsey was going to get his at some point you just had to mitigate as much as possible they were using him as a decoy in some in some phases um Jalen was traveling with him a lot like like I said real close to the line of scrimmage um and that was just that was an incredible play by Kelsey it was um a, a breakdown from I think what you would have expected Jalen to do in that situation in terms of just the way that was played, the way it was defended after the catch, that was a breakdown as well. Um, But again, it's not to diminish the, the skill level of, uh, of Kelsey. I mean, he's just having, he's always great. He's having an insane year. Um, And then the other play was the missed tackle on third Mm -hmm. down that would have stopped. It would have been a third down stop. Instead, it was a missed tackle. Um, I believe that was, I believe that was Taylor Rapp that, that was in the middle of their touchdown drive. And so it, you know, it it wasn't a perfect game. I think of other plays, Darion Kendrick really should have, uh, it was a perfect, it was about as perfect a throw as you can make. Um, but Darion Kendrick, I think should have fought after the catch a little bit on that ball to Juju Smith, Smith Schuster. Um, you know, the, the Rams overall, I think without considering you don't have a Sean Robinson, a couple of uh, 10 plus yard runs, but for the most part, 
made it very tough going for them um, to try to, but, but the two touchdowns, they were holding the field goals, the two touchdowns, one, the drive stayed alive because of missed tackle yeah. and the other, the, the Jalen Ramsey play. Um, I mean, you just can't, if, if you miss at first, like if he gets the catch on you, then the pursuit has to be physical yeah. um, and, and multiple people have to help in with pursuit. And, and, you know, I think there's probably some conversations I would imagine this week in terms of, um, just like getting your body in the way, um, if you're some of those younger DBs, um, and, and, and so I think that's, it's a learning moment for, for a lot of people, but it, you know, it's a really good football team on the other side. And, yeah. Yeah. um, you know, you think about those two plays and those two plays really were, um, really kind of key in terms of the, because, and what I'm saying about them is tag is that they, they, they would have gotten off the field. And then obviously a lot more things have to happen after that for them right. to score a touchdown, but right. you get off the field in that moment when the game is extremely close. Right. Um, that was what was, that was the one that was right out of the, the it, half. It was the 13 yeah. to three. It's 13 to three. Mm-hmm. And it was a third down. Yeah. And they have the ball for the Kansas city has the ball. Right. And um, then all of a sudden it's 20 to three. Um, right. If you, if you don't get off the field in that, in that regard. So, so that's why right. I mean, in terms of the, the energy and the flow, but right. overall, and then, and then you saw, you saw guys kind of make up for it, especially in that tight area. Jalen Ramsey made up for uh, that. I don't know if you could say made up for it. I don't know if that's a fair way to say it, but like he got some plays back as well. Um, A couple of tackles in space and run stops. Taylor Rapp made a run stop late, late, late in the game that prevented a touchdown. I mean, it's those types of things where these, what I'm saying is these guys, all of them unilaterally across the board, Bobby Wagner kept swinging until the very end. Um, Ernest Jones quite literally kept swinging until oh the very end. Like, you, you know, it's just guys were were fighting and they're battling. And I think they're weary, but I think they funneled it in the appropriate direction this time. Yeah. Um, and I think that was that was important. It's a learning moment. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's I mean, I know we're going to talk a little bit about here about what the rest of the season looks like. And, and I think that's what you can. That's really what you can focus on if if you're the Rams is this is not. I don't think there's going to be a fairy tale ending here. Let's just be honest about it. I don't think they're going to run off, uh, you know, however many in a row here and, and make the playoffs. It's it's going to be about what can we do with the rest of these games and how can you build a little bit? And I think it's a good for a defense that had had, uh, quite honestly, a couple rough weeks there. Uh, it's it's a little bit of a turning point. Maybe, maybe we'll see. But it, at least is the possibility for one where those things that were trending in the wrong direction for them, all of the things that we've been talking about, for at least one week, started to trend back in the right direction. So whether or not that that's sustainable, we'll see. Whether or not it's sustainable without Aaron Donald in there, potentially, not sure about that. But uh, I guess we'll we'll see uh, how that goes over the next little bit here. And and stuff can't really get much worse or much more adverse <laughs> on the offensive side, Rich. But right. I felt like I I did see some good things um, from young players. But I'm kind of curious about your overall take of of what the plan was from this offense, Bryce Perkins getting his first NFL start um, definitely showed that he can be really dynamic um, and, and make things happen, especially, you know, out of structure on some of those designed runs. Um, You know, obviously you want to see him, you know, get, get his arm going a little bit more, but I think a lot of that comes with time. I mean, this is again, his first, literally his first NFL game against a, even a second and higher team defense. Cause He's been playing in the preseason and that's right. it. 
Um, so I, I think you could maybe cut him some slack there, but in terms, in terms of those interceptions, I think that's just experience. And, and those are things that he, he took, took it upon himself and, and, um, post game, I thought he, I thought he handled it very well. Um, but, but overall there's something there. There's like a spark there. There's an energy there. And I'm kind of curious about your thoughts in, in terms of what you saw from not just Bryce right. Perkins, but the offense as a whole and, and maybe the, um, the plan. Yeah, well, it, it, yeah. I think it's kind of in the eye of the beholder here, right? Like, I mean, what what were your expectations for this game? You, you come to the end of it None. and the Rams, <laughs> right? I mean, that's what I'm saying. The Rams lost 26 to 10 in this game. And to me, as as I said, I almost think that was a best case scenario. So I look at the way that the Rams probably and, and let me be very clear before I start off on my little rant here. I don't know what Sean McVay was thinking. I was not in the room. I did not talk to him. I'm not. Did you see how hard he got hit? He doesn't know what he was. thinking. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's probably remembers less of it than I do. But but I don't know what they were thinking. But uh, let me walk you through what I think is a reasonable thought process if you're Sean McVay in the Rams. I was sitting here, Jordan, on Sunday morning, and I see on ESPN the little crawl that they I have no idea how they do this, but they said they projected that the the Chiefs had like a 96 percent chance of winning the game. And I kind of went, wow, that's that's pretty rough. Ninety six percent. So I, I think if you're Sean McVay, you 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 approach this game and you say, well, you ask yourself one question. Do I still want to try to win this game? Yes. I'm a competitive, highly competitive NFL head coach. I know the odds are overwhelmingly against me here, but I still want to try win this game. So I think from there, you ask yourself another question. Holistically speaking, what is, if I only have a 5% chance of winning this game, what is the path? What is that 5% path that is going to lead me to some miraculous victory? Is it putting the ball in Bryce Perkins' hands and having him throw it 30 times a game? I'm, I'm going to go with no on that one. Probably not. And I don't nothing I say here should be taking as a slap against Bryce Perkins. He's, uh, by all accounts, a wonderful guy. He has a tremendous story. He's working hard. He's doing everything that he should be doing at this point. I'm not taking any slaps at all at Bryce Perkins. I'm looking at it from the perspective of your Sean McVay. You're playing with your third string quarterback behind an offensive line that other than the amazingly the cyborg known as Rob Havenstein is is now down to either second string, third string, or fourth string offensive lineman. You're playing without your number one receiver and your number two receiver. Your tight end apparently is a little dinged up. He's oh, your number three receiver just got back on the field three weeks ago. Right. Yeah, there's that. There's yeah. that. So you're looking at all of that and saying, what should I do here? What is my best hope? And and I think quite reasonably, Sean McVay looked at the situation and said, my best hope here is to go really conservative on offense and hope that my defense plays well enough to keep us in this game and hope that maybe we get a couple breaks here and there. Maybe there's a pick six. Maybe there's a couple special teams plays. There was. And that's what happened. <laughs> they are in the game in the second half. They are in a 10-point game in the second half. And and that's what I'm trying to get across to, to folks who are frustrated. Like, why aren't they throwing the ball more? Why aren't they opening it up? Friends, 
Do you think it's the same people who are asking why they didn't run it more early? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) But the reason why you were in a 10-point game at that point is because of the way that that was developing. And again, it's not a a slam on, on Bryce Perkins. But I'm telling you, friends, if your expectation is that you're going to let Bryce Perkins cook and have him throw the ball 30 times, I don't think in that situation you're going to be real happy with the outcome. And and I will say, Jordan, and and I had I have an honest dialogue with with some people. And I said, if you just don't care, like if you come into the game thinking, you know what, I'm resigned to the fact that the Rams are going to lose anyway. And I just want to be entertained. I got you. I hear you. That's that's fine. <laughs> like that's I, I'm not going to argue that you don't want to see a conservative offense and you 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 would rather see Bryce Perkins throw four interceptions and have the Rams lose by 35 than than you would rather you you'd rather watch that than watch a boring game. I got you. I'm not going to argue with you. But what I will argue with you with you is if you have any expectation or any hope of winning the football game, you can't really argue with what Sean McVay tried to do in this game, I don't think, or at least what I am projecting onto him. I don't know. He might, he might disagree with me. Uh, I don't he, he, think, I don't think you're wrong. First okay. of all, because you, you actually, you, you, you helped me. Uh, you actually helped me focus on this because you, you, <laughs> you quote tweeted me at halftime when I, when I was praising the defense and you kind of said, I think this is kind of what they were going for here. And then I thought about it and I go, yeah, she's absolutely right. This is exactly what they're going for here. And it kept them in the game. It, and it, it kept the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. That's the yeah. other part of this too, Rich. Right. Like Time of all of those things. Yeah. All of those things that you said, I think are, are true. And I think exactly what they were thinking coming into this game. And to a, to a point, it worked really, really well. 13 to three entering the third quarter. I mean, that's to, and you're playing, I mean, my God, look at what that roster looked like at at that point. Right. And you're playing a team that is the favorite, the overwhelming favorite to win the Super Bowl at this, at this moment. Um, And, and the MVP and, you know, maybe another coach of the year on the way and, you know, offensive player of the year, you're playing a team like that. And I'm not saying like, those are my takes, but that's, you know, when you're looking right. at the the candidates for these things, I mean, you're, that's who you're playing and it's 13 to three. And it's, and it's not necessarily because they're messing up a lot. You're forcing things to happen. Right. Uh, ben Skoranek's just scaring the bejesus out of the out of the punt returner <laughs> because he's just like you know a train careening off the tracks right, right like right at him right. right up the rib cage and like yeah and then there's a muff punt and then Robert Rochelle's recovering it and so you basically that's what they call in special teams that's what they call stealing a down and then you steal another down because Riley Dixon converts right. a fake punt and you're doing these things where you are keeping yourself competitive in the phases of the game that you most depend on. And that is your red zone defense, your prevention of explosive plays minus the Kelsey touchdown, but your prevention of explosive plays and a special teams unit that quietly has been like pretty okay, if not good through most of the year. 
And, and so you're, those are all things that, that you're depending on. And at the same time, this, this game is all about how can you use what you're best at to create leverage points against, um, against what they're best at and they're best at Patrick Mahomes having the football in his hand. Okay. How do you keep the ball? How do you play keep away when you know that if you're going to commit to preventing explosives, you're probably going to get, allow him to chew up the yards, pick away at you a little bit. So how can you then keep the ball away from him as much as possible while at the same time understanding the truth in your brain that you're going to prevent explosives and therefore you're going to have a couple of those sustained drives on his end? So how do you make both of those true at the same time? And that is you run the ball. You sustain right. you sustain drives, you run the ball, you don't tell your quarterback to do too much too early. You play really pretty conservative in terms of the way the the route concepts you're calling. If it's not there, you let the quarterback go out of structure and make a play. You design a lot of runs once you learn and realize that the most efficient running they were doing was Bryce Perkins on those designed runs and some of those out of structure plays. You convert, uh, you you convert some important downs, and you keep it close. and th- And that's exactly what they did. I re- I really could not fault any part of what they did through most of that game. Yeah. That of course is holding also the space in my brain for the all another truth, which is. I had no expectations. <laughs> right. So, like, I think if you can look th- look at it through that lens. I completely agree with how they approach this game, considering all of the relevant factors and considering sort of the the um, the w- what they knew they were up against heading into this, and how you how you unfold a play a game plan that plays to your strengths, hides some of your weaknesses or perceived weaknesses, and also does everything it can to aka steal to quote unquote steal downs. Or keep the ball, and you know what? Some of that early stuff they did ended up playing paying dividends. And I, I, I thought this was kind of a delightful detail to share with you, Rich. Tutu Atwell, I talked to him post game. He had the back to back catches. One of them was the conversion on the fourth and two. Yeah. He mentioned to me that he could he found more space to run up and down those that sideline and into the flats because by that point the the Chiefs defense was was sort of um, trying to almost like. Uh, lock around uh, the pocket in a little bit of a different way to contain Bryce Perkins should he decide to boot out and convert mm-hmm. the down himself. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, the sides outside the hashes have a little bit more space to maneuver. And Tutu Atwell, so quick, he could maneuver that really well. Bryce Perkins got the ball to him. Then you saw them. They ran the same play. One of them was by accident because you know it was a breakdown and Tutu Atwell and, and Bryce Perkins did what they needed to do in that play. And then they ran the exact same play, this time designed, to the opposite side. And it worked because yeah. the Chiefs at that point were accounting for what the Rams had done earlier in the game with Bryce right. Perkins on some of those designed runs. So right. it all kind of fit together um you know the 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 lack of sustained drives late in the fourth quarter and crunch time the interceptions those were bad one of them i'd say you, what are you going to do about it like a, de- a defensive lineman gets his hand on the ball tips it like it's kind right. of a, a freak thing right. um you know decision making on the one throw into double coverage um that was the throw was off that that was not the good the good decision but at the same time um you know i i i agree with you i think that like i said this was how do you play to what strengths you do have? How do you mask the quote unquote weaknesses or perceived weaknesses? And how do you somehow find a way to leverage what you can do to keep the ball out of the hands of the best, the best offensive player on the planet? Right. And to your point uh, against the specific opponent, that might be 
you know, uh, playing another team, uh, playing the Seahawks, playing the Raiders, playing the Packers, it may not be the exact same uh, mindset or the exact same strategy. But I just think in this game, when you when you look at that matchup and you think, again, if you if you have a five percent chance of victory, what is your five percent in in this particular game against the Chiefs? And and I think that's I and believe me, if there's anybody in the world who is not a, a Sean McVay offensive ap- apologist, it's me. Uh, but I, I look at it and I say he did what he needed to do. Like he's trying to find some very narrow path to winning this football game. And and they did about as as good as you can expect. They were in a 10 point game, uh, which is, you know, again, you have something fluky happens. You get a pick six or a fumble return or a punt return or uh, you never know. But but they wouldn't have been in that position. I believe I believe they wouldn't have been in that position if they hadn't have played the majority of that game the way that they did. So I I get the other side of it. If people say, you know what, we're going to lose anyway. I'd rather have it be interesting. Okay, that's fine. But like, don't think that changing the way that they played early in the game was going to put you in a better position because it 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 was not. It and was I'd not argue good. this was more interesting because this was strategy. Was interesting. This yeah. wasn't just like effort <laughs> right. throws and effort game. This was like strategy right. and right. and and designs and stuff like that. This was like actual trying. <laughs> they were trying, and so that's right. that's why I'd kind of even argue. I'm like, if you if you didn't like it, then I don't. I just don't think that you were seeing it for what it was. And, you know, it's no disrespect meant or anything like that at all. Throwing the ball is exciting. I mean, it's a passing league for a reason and the ratings are high for a reason. But, man, I would argue that this was a lot more interesting than what that dumpster fire would have been. Yeah, I yeah. yeah, I mean, you, you look, you were still interested in the game in the fourth quarter. Did you that's, really I, That's the that, other thing. Yeah. I heard that. That's the other anecdote I wanted to share. Okay. I was down in the bowels of the stadium running around between press room and locker room, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, because we told you how they stagger the interviews and all this stuff. So what I heard was two of the people who were in charge of running equipment back and forth in uh, Kansas City who worked for that. I don't know if it's for the stadium or for the organization or whatever, but they were talking about how oftentimes it was long before then that most of the crowd had cleared out. And because it wasn't a total blowout, the crowd stuck around. And so they had a longer night ahead of them because they couldn't start unpacking everything until after everyone had gone home. And I was like, well, that's kind of a, that's kind of a major compliment, right? Like, I think that that's because the, this team can blow some some teams out. We know this. Right. And it's not like this was great. Like, uh, you know, that's uh, so what I said in my tweet after the game. I'm like, I'm not trying to sound like, no. you know, uh, Homer right. or spin this. Like losing right. this. These guys hate to lose. Losing is bad. Losing is not good. Right. Um, they've lost a lot. They're doing a lot of losing. It is not good. They're not a good football team. But I, I just think there were so many interesting things about this game where I don't tend to look for moral victories. I don't think this is one that could be called a moral victory. I think this is more so one that like, it just sticks to your ribs a little bit. You know, it's like that. It's like that substance that, that you just need. You just need a little more Teflon in there, right? You just need to start building a couple layers, you know, up underneath your rib cage and just like have that little extra, whatever that is. And, and and you carry it with you and you learn from it. And it's like, you know, it's ca- it calluses over and it's just, you know, you just really have to carry stuff like this with you. Um, yeah. Sean McVay talked to 
his players this week and in the offensive meetings, he asked them, what did you want to be when you grew up? And, and the initial reactions like what, what? And it's like, no, what did you want to be when you grew up? And every single guy in that room said, I wanted to be a pro football player. And then they understood his point. His point was, well, you're here now and it, being here sucks. This, this is hard. You're here now and it's hard and it sucks. So right. why, you know, first of all, remember that you, this was your dream for your entire life. So just go out and live your dream and go play and try to play free. But also you're going to be asked to grow again. And that's when we get to the, the next part of what this season is going to be rich, which is them understanding not just who they're going to keep around and invest in longer term, but mm -hmm. also what they're going to become out of this. I'm not kidding when I say, I, I think there's some stuff coming, right? <laughs> and I'm not, yeah. I'm not kidding about yeah. that. And I know it sounds, it's like, oh, the Rams, you know, what could they possibly do? Guys, I just, just <laughs> the hair on the back of my neck is up. All right. And that's so, a dangerous question to ask when it comes to the Rams. Well, what could they do what now? What could they do? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay, I don't know. So Pretty much anything. That's all I will say. Oh, yeah. It's all I can say. I don't know. And yeah, but, no, but it's, it's just, it is, it's, it is what intuition. it will be. But, but also, um, but also like, I, I want to go through and I want, I want to each of us name two people because two people who we think that this team is going to develop and invest in long-term, not just based on what we, a lot of it, sure. Based on what we saw Sunday, because I think that was the, the biggest sort of showing from, from a lot of these young guys, but two people who you think either did something really well, did a couple things really well in that game or two people who you think, uh, you know, a person who you think that this team needs to really take a, a long look at moving forward. Um, and it also could be the other way, Rich, someone who you just don't think will be back, someone who you think. So I'd like to hear two from any of these categories from you. And we could go, we could trade back and forth. I think it might be kind of fun to see if um, if we take each other's or if uh, or if fans have have their own thoughts. And if you guys yeah. do have your own thoughts, please, when we tweet this out, please weigh in in the thread yeah. as well. Yeah, no, it, it's a, it's a great question, and I, I guess my my when you ask that question, my thoughts kind of go to the more of the development side of it. Like, what can they get out of these guys? And and the first one, you're not going to be nobody who listens to our podcast is going to be shocked uh, to know that I will pick a running back. Uh, but <laughs> I, I want to see more Kyron Williams, and and I I think that's an important as we talk about getting to, into this off season and changes that are going to be made. I I think that's going to be pretty near the top of the list. Is what what does that running backs room uh, look like? Is there a future with Cam Akers? Is there not a future with Cam Akers? Uh, independent of that, what do they have in Kyron Williams? And I think it's an opportunity here uh, over these last, uh, what is there, six games left to um, kind of put him. I was a little surprised. I got to be honest. I, and, and Cam was was fine. Um, I just, I, I expected to see a little bit more of Kyron Williams in this game. And I'm wondering if we will over the next uh, six games. I think it's an opportunity uh, to see what that skill set is uh, how he can fit into some of the things things that Sean McVay needs to do. Is he capable of being a lead back? Is he more of a complimentary guy? How is, how is he catching the ball out of the backfield? How is he in open space? I think there's a lot of things they can learn about him and uh, that they can apply in, as they kind of take a wholesale look at that running back room and decide what they want to do here. So he's my, he's my first round draft pick. Um, and who do you have? Wow. A running back in the first round, only Rich Hammond. Yes. I'm very on brand. Yes. <laughs> I think that's a great pick because um, there's all kinds of things that I think there's potential here 
with him, I, I don't think you'll ever gonna you're ever gonna look at him. I've said this before. I don't think you're ever gonna look at him as like a lead back. But they don't want that. They if they were gonna do that, they would have by now with right. someone or another or gone out and traded for someone. Even in the off season, they didn't bring anyone else in, and they were gonna commit to a tandem, a committee. It totally backfired as we saw now. But at this point, they're looking at guys who can really complement each other well. Kyron and Cam really complement each other well. And what I also think is um, the thing that really strikes me about him is you really got to hear him when he talks about diagnosing pressure because he was talking about that blitz that he picked up on fourth and two that was the, was the reason why Bryce Perkins could get that ball out to Van Jefferson for the touchdown. And this is like Spags in Kansas City, who everyone says going against him, especially when you're a young player, is like a baptism by fire because of the crazy stuff that he throws out at you and all kinds of um, different pressures and sims and different stunts and like all kinds of things that they run on that side of the ball that freak that freak you out, that make your brain break because you just don't really know what you're looking at until it's too late and you're getting hit in the mouth. Um, this is not a shot at Sean McVay, no pun intended. And so I think... When you hear him talk about how he diagnosed, and I, I talked to him in the locker room post game, hearing him talk about how he picked up that pressure, it was very similar to when Cooper Cup went viral for the fire zone stuff that he was talking about. Uh, um, it yeah. was very similar to that, and I was like, okay, well, I, you know, we hadn't had a chance to talk to him a lot because he's been on injured reserve. So this was, it was good to hear that side of of how geeked he gets about that type, that part of it. So Kyron, I think that's a good pick. My first round pick is Michael Hoyt. Like, first of all, it is not, it has always been insane that a 310 pound defensive lineman is playing special teams in the manner in which he's playing special teams. Like, he's enforcement and gunner. And so that means that you are asking him to get down the field faster than everybody else on the team. And he is 310 pounds. And so what I thought was really interesting, and I'm I'm sad that I don't think we're going to be seeing a lot of this because, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they shut Aaron down for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. There was some, there was something there with him and Aaron and the speed power combination on the line. And you could see they were rotating a lot because Hoyt is an inside outside rusher too. He's an interior guy who has been working um, extra to learn more of a pure pass rush kind of situation, stand-up rush kind of situation. I talked to him a lot about it this week. Um, just the 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 work that, that this dude's put in behind the scenes, but also the way that he sees space, it's not only extremely appreciative of, of the way that Aaron Donald sees space, but also wanting... Like, it's kind of like you always hear about the guys the Rams like to bring in. And Greg Gaines is one of these guys. And Ashawn is one of these guys. Guys who innately understand how to let Aaron be creative because they know how to fill the space that he is not in. And I think Michael Hoyt has an understanding of that. And you could really see it. There was one run play. It was an outside zone bounce. And he came all the way across um, from the like he was like in a wide almost a wide nine almost a wide nine he came all the way across um uh, down into the the stack in the line of scrimmage to try to push part of the pile into the running back um to to just make it harder for him to maneuver space on the outside and there was some speed there and if it weren't for the face mask he you know he and Aaron would have combined for that sack in the red zone and it just was a really interesting thing watching what they can do with him and how versatile 
he can be. Um, and he's played some offense. He played a little tight end. Um, I, I don't know. I like this. I like the positionless player. And mm. I joked about it with him. I said, you know, the you're you're becoming kind of one of these positionless players. And he goes, actually, I ha- I uh, he goes, I wouldn't necessarily call it positionless because I've got like a long list of positions that I actually play. <laughs> and I was like, okay, guy, like funny, yeah, right, yeah, funny right. joke. But right. um, but it was, but it's just, I just, I'm very intrigued by that. I'm intrigued by that combination. The Rams have desperately. I'm not saying he's their future opposite Leonard Floyd, but I'm just saying there's something there and there's something they can build off. Yeah, I should have made him my pick because he was going to be my second pick. So, uh-huh. I, uh, uh, yeah, uh, fascinating player to watch play. I mean, I, I would love to watch just a, a cut up of, of him or an, an isolation of him and, and how he uh, plays some of these because uh, it's not something you see very often. So I, I think that's fascinating, too, to see uh, what kind of role that he can have um, in this defense. Very impressive game. Uh, so. Since I had my pick stolen, um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm the, the Detroit the, Lions. I used your yeah. pick. <laughs> you used my pick. Um, I, you know, it, it, it's a tough. I, I don't. I don't want to cheat here, but I'm looking at the secondary, and I, I, I think the if I if, if I have to pick a representative, I will say Robert Rochelle, um, just to see. I, I think there's. I think the you, you don't need to learn more about Jalen Ramsey. Uh, you don't really le- need to learn more about Troy Hill, uh, but then I, I, I think you're you're putting yourself in a little category there where this is really going to be. I'll put it this. I'll put it a positive spin on it. It'll be an opportunity. Let's put it that way for any number of these other guys. Whether I guess you would specifically say um, a David Long or Robert Rochelle. I, you know, I'll put them maybe at the at the top of the list uh, to where. Again, making it a positive. There's an opportunity here uh, for for them to step up and say, uh, or, or uh, you know, I guess there's a couple other. You you, you could put Darian Kendrick in that in that category too, and probably should actually uh, another guy to where you're, you're going to get some run here, and and there's going to be an opportunity to to show uh, that that you can make some plays. I, you know, Darian Kendrick's been in this uh, situation before. You you. you Mentioned that the play with Juju Smith Schuster, um, who ran a you know good route, looked for the ball well. Patrick Mahomes made a nice throw on it. But if if you want to put yourself in that category, as somebody is a team that a team can rely on uh, to be a consistent NFL quarterback, you've got to do a little bit better there. Um, and it's it's a tough situation. It's a tough matchup. I understand, uh, but I think that's the kind of play, and he's the kind of player. I, I think Robert Rochelle could could get a little bit more run. Uh, some of these guys have had opportunities. David Long has had opportunities and has had some issues there. So when you're looking at these last six games of the season, like that's a position to me where if I'm the Rams, if I'm uh, Raheem Morris or those position coaches. I want to learn a little bit more. I want to challenge these guys to say, hey, you've got six games. Show us what you've got. Put it on tape right now and you know, make us make some hard decisions uh, at the end of the season. So I, I probably just cheated there. I think I just picked an entire well, it's uh, position a good point. group. But- it's a good point because a lot of there's many there's several DBs who are playing on their last contract year. So I think it is a good point to bring up that group as a whole because this is going to be a really important, you know, month and a half, almost two month stretch uh, for this group. So I totally concur with with, with what you're saying. Um, I'm going to go offensive line now because 
I, so I think my opinion, and I'll kind of take the position group as a whole. I think that uh, Alaric Jackson is their future at left tackle. Um, I think that Joe Noboom played hard, and I think that it was the inevitable that you do put him in that position um, in a post-Whitworth world, especially with Alaric being essentially an unknown at that point. He'd played one game for them, really. And right. so you don't really know until you know. I think now they know. So if both, you know, if he heals up fine, I, it, and you, you always hope it's kind of a scary situation with the blood clots. So, you know, as he heals, you know, you want to make sure. I think that he is their future at at left tackle. Um, I think that Tremaine Ankrum is mm. a future player who will, could stick with this team for a long time in terms of, um, what they saw in practice, you know, I heard a couple of people talking behind the scenes, not just at training camp, but before he made his first start that, um, he had one of the best camps of any of the linemen. And it was just that Coleman Shelton kicked so much, butt in camp <laughs> at a variety of positions and another player who I think is going to be really good and is really good for them. Um, and so I think you're looking at, a, a little bit of shuffling. You're looking at a, a guy in Coleman who can maybe take over long-term at center if needed. Um, you're looking at Alaric Jackson who could maybe take over long-term at left tackle. Um, you're looking at Tremaine Ankrum who could really slide into that right guard. And then you kind of, if you're looking at this year for Logan Bress as a red shirt, cause he got hurt so early in the season, you're looking at a develop his developmental year really being next year. And so now I think you're looking at guys like, AJR Curie. Um, he had in his pass block snaps, I just had this pulled up in his 29 pass block block snaps on Sunday. He only allowed three pressures. And again, what I said about Spags, um, that that guy can dial up some pressure. They're on a silent count for most of the time. Um, they're specifically probably honing in on the rookie seventh round draft pick um, with a lot of the ways that they're moving their front around because uh, you certainly aren't going to just go right at Rob Havenstein for an entire game. I mean, the dude's right. like a, a you know, right. a, a, a human like redwood <laughs> tree out there. You're just not going to do it. And so I, I think that you know, I, I admire the way that AJR Curie handled the situation, especially because it was still sort of touch and go whether Ty Neshecki could come back. And, you know, playing like that in that type of a situation and sort of uh, we spoke with him earlier today in a, in a press conference. We're recording this Monday evening and just seemed very calm, very, very calm. Like literally the world is burning around him in many ways. Just he is that meme. He's that literal meme. He is the dog in the burning yeah. house. Like he's yeah. just, everything is fine with this guy. And I think that you could build off of that. You're throwing some of these guys in really adverse situations. He'd be my second pick, not just because he's probably going to have to play quite a bit at this point, but also because I think it, I think that he could be a good player for them. Got to stay healthy. All these guys got to stay healthy, but I think he could be a good player for them. And I also think they, as, as rough as this season was, I think they learned, I think they learned about Chandler Brewer. I think they learned about Tremaine. They already knew about Tremaine Ankrum and they were excited about him. And it was unfortunate what happened with him, but playing through playing an extra snap, even though he had just broken his fibula, the play before. I mean, I think you learn a lot about somebody in that regard. Um, I think they learned, have learned a lot about Coleman Shelton, the way he came back from that ankle injury. They're learning about the investments they made in certain players 
that maybe you you second you you take a second next time and think about the injury history and and all of that that they made in the offseason. But I think there's a couple of young guys who could really and, and when I'm looking at the pressure numbers, by the way, that's through I'm looking at the entire league, all the O-linemen and tight ends who had any part participation in right. pass protection and uh and three pressures is it, it in the context of, of the league overall in week 12. That's pretty dang good. So I, I think that that's that's something to build off of. And um they're gonna have to, Rich. They're gonna learn a lot about a lot of these guys moving forward. Yeah, I, I do think it's it's a uh, it's all relative here, right? We don't we don't from the Rams' perspective, we don't want to be talking about any of this. But the offensive line is one issue where you're going to get a lot of looks at these guys, and you're you're going to be able to make some good conclusions about them at the end of the season. Who do you want to be part of this? Not just your starters, uh, but but who do you want to be your backups, and who who can you rely on, and who can't you rely on? And and I think if if nothing else, uh, what this what this dumpster fire is allowing them to do is <laughs> is to get a good look at these guys and and see who who they want to build around. And it, it certainly is an opportunity uh, for those guys. So uh, great pick. I'm I'm glad I'm glad you picked a position group too. I feel less bad now about. Well, you set a trend. Uh, cannibalizing yeah. <laughs> the entire uh, uh, secondary there. So. Uh, Jordan, look, we're going to still have a lot to talk about here. I know you're going to be um, waking up in the middle of the night in 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 terror uh, at various times over the next few months, uh, waiting for something to happen, um, and it probably will at some point. So uh, that'll be fascinating. And but there, look, there's a lot to to still dissect here. Six games left in the season. There's a lot of players to talk about. We can talk about how this defense is is progressing and if it's able to sustain some of the success that it's had and we know we're going to continue to get some awesome stories from jordan i was glad you brought up tremaine ankrum because it gave me an opportunity uh to mention extraordinary feature uh that that you wrote last week about his uh charity uh is it i don't want to mess up is it the hollywood food bank what's the name of hollywood the food coalition yeah coalition. And they are I knew, still yeah. accepting holiday donations uh particularly in this season so uh go to hollywood food coalition coalition in your google search bar and you can find out ways to give if you are so inclined yeah, well, just an amazing story about somebody who uh, is doing things behind the scenes that even his team didn't know about to to, to make a difference in a community. So uh, that's the kind of stuff. In addition to uh, all the great football breakdown, roster breakdown, that's uh, that's what you're going to get from Jordan. Uh, our subscribers already know that. We thank you. We appreciate you so much. Um, and for those who might have come on board during our most recent uh, Black Friday promotion here. Thank you also and welcome. And the good Hello. news is yes. you came at the right time, folks. That's right. You're, you're in for a ride over the next 12 months. Uh, but look, we are also now in the holiday season. Everybody needs a good gift giving idea. You don't want to give somebody just some junk that's going to sit in their closet or their garage for a while. You know what you can do? You can go to theathletic.com slash 11 personnel. Even if you have a subscription for yourself already, you can give a gift subscription and you can tell that person that you made Jordan Rodriguez happy <laughs> because you got her favorite thing in the entire world, which is what? A great discount, you guys. Every single time you subscribe to The Athletic through the 11 Personnel Podcast, you get my favorite thing in the world, 
besides Rich having his Christmas decorations up behind him in his office, which is a great discount every single time. Uh, by the time you hear this, our our dollar a month special will probably be uh, over. It does end at midnight tonight. But guys, you can get a great discount on a subscription or a gift subscription to theathletic.com every time you subscribe through the 11 Personnel Podcast. Oh my goodness gracious, we're going to have so much to talk about over the next couple of weeks. You know, whatever this team does, however catastrophically bad it, it, it may seem, and uh, kudos to the fans who are hanging in there, by the way, um, and kudos to the players who are hanging in there and the coaches who are hanging in there and everyone who who works hard and all we do is just sit here and talk about it. So I think, you know, y- you guys are going to want to stick along with us. You're going to want to travel along with us. Um, you know, got Green Bay coming up. That's going to be exciting. I think Green Bay looks very vulnerable. This is a game the Rams could win if they do the things that, uh, you know, they're capable of doing. In the meantime, you guys hope you're all doing well. Frankly, it's a holiday season. Hope you're being good to each other, being kind to each other. Hope you're taking care of each other and yourselves. Hope you're staying hydrated. Hope you're staying caffeinated. We'll catch you next week. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.